Hello, everyone. Today, we talked to Arnold Viersen, a conservative member of Canada's parliament, to learn about the work that he is doing in defending and protecting preborn children. Throughout history, whenever great injustices existed, youth movements have risen up to combat and end those injustices. You have organizations out there like the Center for Bioethical Reform. The Center for Bioethical Reform. Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Organizations like the Center for Bioethical Reform to receive public funds when they then use to attack a woman's right to choose. Abortion kills all kinds of people, so then all kinds of people can join the pro-life movement to save these babies. I was talking to a young man on the streets of Toronto. I spoke with a woman named Lucy about abortion. Today we were doing choice chain in downtown Regina. By the end of the conversation, she was completely pro-life. He then walked away 100% pro-life. Completely pro-life. We should remember that each of those babies that die every day in Canada not only have the right to life that's being violated, they also have the right to our defense. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pro-Life Guys podcast. My name is Peter, host of the show, and with me again is my wonderful co-host, Cameron. How are you, sir? I cannot be better. I, I'm on vacation right now. I'm sitting in my parents' kitchen. I'm watching hummingbirds fight over the hummingbird feeder. I'm getting some downtime. Uh, my daughter's getting to see the grandparents uh, for the first time in a long time. Life is good, but I'm happy to take a, a little bit of time out to talk to a very, very cool guest we have coming in. But before that, how are you doing, sir? I, I'm also doing really good. I'm not on vacation, but still doing absolutely fantastic. Um, still loving the internship, doing presentations for them. Um, several of them, uh, it seems like a week uh, at some <laughs> points, but that's, that's a lot of fun and spending some time with them on the streets. But I'm also excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Uh, this is a conversation with Arnold Viersen, one of my favorite politicians in Canada today. And uh, let me introduce him, Cam, before we get into the conversation. So as I mentioned, Arnold is a, as a Conservative Member of Parliament for Peace River Westlock in Alberta, Canada, being elected to office in 2015. And he's not your regular politician. Uh, he fights for just causes that are not popular like you know other politicians like to do. He's the chair of the Pro-Life Caucus, which seeks to defend the pre-born children in our highest house, and he actively fights online sexual violence and human trafficking. In 2018, Arnold launched the All-Party Parliamentary, All Party Parliam Parliamentary, I can't say that word, <laughs> Parliamentary <laughs> Terry Group, okay, you know that word, okay, to end modern slavery and human trafficking, to unite parliamentarians across political lines, and he was successful with that. He's involved in a number of other parliamentary caucuses, including the Indigenous Affairs Caucus. He's a member of the Canada ne Netherlands Parliamentary Friendship Group, Parliamentary Uyghur Friendship Group, Canadian Parliamentarians for Freedom of Religion or Belief, and the Parliamentary Friends of the Kurds. I cannot say that word, Cam. Uh, oh, I should have practiced man, it a hundred like times them before. in a row. Holy moly. I know. I know. <laughs> That is not all. Arnold is an avid outdoorsman. He enjoys hunting, fishing, hiking, snowmobiling, gardening, and four by fouring, four wheeling is what I call it. Uh, and he's also interested in small engines, something he's worked with in the past. He's married to his wife, Melissa, and together they have four children. I hope I can speak it clearly during the conversation <laughs> that we have with our good friend, Arnold Viersen. Here it is. We hope you enjoy it. The Honorable Arnold Viersen. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Peter. I, I was worried you were going to call me the Right Honorable, and that's only the Prime Minister gets that <laughs> title. So uh, um, th thank you nonetheless. And uh, the Honorable, uh, that goes to Cabinet Ministers, and I haven't made it there yet either. So okay, you're so just going to call, just gonna have to call me Arnold. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. going to be, have to work for today. Maybe one day I'll be the Prime Minister or a Cabinet Minister, then I'll get the Honorable or the Right Honorable. Oh. But all right, um, sweet. Well, right I will wear that hat as soon as it comes out. Yeah, uh, the Viersen so the, uh, 2032 or whatever year you're aiming for. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the future honorable Arnold, um, tell us a little bit about uh, you know before we kick things off into your work in, with the Parliamentary Pro Life Caucus and some of the other things you do uh, on Parliament Hill defending preborn children. Can you share with us a little bit about your journey into politics and maybe some of the like issues you were passionate about that you wanted to work on once you were elected yeah for sure peter i was uh 
back in 2010, I think it kind of all started back in 2010. Um, I was an automotive mechanic working, fixing trucks and cars and Jeeps. I worked at a Chrysler dealer. Um, I was, I got married that year in 2010 as well. And, uh, that was, um, kind of the year that I woke up to what politics was all about. Um, I had a child a couple of years later that really, really brought it in. But, um, yeah, I was an auto mechanic and, uh, we had YouTube was kind of a new thing for the kids that are watching. They can't remember life without YouTube, but I remember discovering YouTube. Uh, one of my coworkers showed that to me. He's like, "Hey, check this out on the internet." And uh, so in 2010, there was a new uh, kind of a new channel. Well, it might even be a little even later, uh, a new channel on there around firearms and and the laws of Canada and how firearms owners were. Um, scrutinized the most scrutinized class of people in Canada and so we started watching there was one guy um, Rod Giltakic was his name and he had a YouTube channel we watched that on our lunch break at, at work and uh, so that's kind of probably like the spark that uh, that started my whole interest in politics um, I then uh, in 2010 there was a notice in the church bulletin uh, that said, hey, there, there's a guy named Mark Penninga with an organization called ARPA. He's going to be in town uh, on Wednesday. Come on out. And so I coaxed my brother-in-law uh, to make the 50-kilometer drive to church on Wednesday and uh, taking this presentation from this guy named Mark Penninga. Um, little did we know that he was trying to set up a local ARPA board um, back then. And uh, so we showed up there. There was only six of us that showed up. And he said, well, I'm trying to start a board. And a nice board size is seven people. And there's six of you. So I think this should be the board. <laughs> so we kind of got voluntold uh, to, to, to make up the ARPA board. So that's, that was back in 2010. Uh, and that led me. I, I sat on the board there until I moved away uh, in 2011. And then I joined the local ARPA board where I currently live. Um, and through that work, I met members of parliaments and ML, members of parliament and MLAs, and kind of that that whole kind of took the like once you step through the front door of the parliament buildings or the legislature buildings once, um, the 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 mystique of the place kind of disappears a little bit, and you start to understand what's going on. And so then, in 2013, uh, they they redistricted the air, um, all the ridings, and so that where I lived was a brand new riding. There was no member of parliament existing. And I seen that as a bit of an opportunity. And so the guys that I was watching those YouTube videos with at work, I said, guys, there's, there, here's an opportunity. We can, we can help choose the next guy for, for our area. Um, let's just buy a membership kind of thing. So that was, uh, that's how that kind of got started. And so I bought a party membership back then and uh, I didn't think I was going to run. Um, I, I was 27 years old. Um, I didn't. Th I thought MPs were older than that. And so I went and harassed some of my friends. Uh, so one of the guys that I worked with um, figured he should run, and he didn't. He thought that was a crazy idea. Um, another guy that I went to church with that had he had, had he'd sat on the local EDA board and things like that, and it kind of always been the the guy that I thought would do it. Uh, I went and bugged him and he just bought a new business. And so he said, no, I don't like, I can't this time. I just bought this new business. And then the, my other friend who's a few years older than me, uh, with much more of an interest in politics than I had, I went and harassed him and he had six kids. And so he said, Arnold, I've got six kids and not running at all. So all, but all three of those guys turned it around on me, like pointed right back and said, well, you think this is such a good idea, Arnold? Like, why don't you run? And so, so that's how I, um, yeah, I, then I considered it. I got my wife, I got my wife actually to sign a contract, uh, a piece of paper anyways, saying that I was allowed to run. That was uh, a big deal. So, so I, I can hold that over her head and say, Hey, you, you signed this piece of paper, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And then the, I, I remember like the, the decision to run was based on one of those guys that I, at the mechanic shop there that we used to watch the YouTube videos together with um, my, he was kind of like my test pilot, right? Like if I, if I could sell him a membership, 
then I then I probably could sell anybody a membership. And so he he eventually bought a membership, and then he was my first membership sale that I did. And then I went off from there and sold more memberships. And he admits today, he's like Arnold. I bought that membership just to get you out of my hair. Like, cause I harassed him like every day for three months, right? Like, like you should buy a membership. Like if you care so much about this firearm stuff, we got to do something about it. Buy a membership. Let's, let's, let's help elect the guy that's going to be our representative. So, so now today he's convinced I'm going to be the prime minister. Cause if I could be a member of parliament, certainly I could be the prime minister. Right. So I think that in a, in a nutshell, that's kind of my story. Uh, my friends, they tell me, Arnold, there's not a wrench big enough to fix Ottawa. And I said, well, we got to try. We got to try. Gotcha. Well, uh, as I mentioned, I'm looking forward to that campaign for, for Prime Minister. I, I'm, I'm curious, in, in that decision to run, did you, did you expect to win? Or was this kind of like, like, were there other people running against you? Did, was this something of, well, somebody who believes in these values has to run, let's see what happens kind of thing, but it's a bit of a, a pie in the sky kind of thing. Did you anticipate that you were going to be sitting in parliament here? What, six years later, you've had three elections since then, two elections, two, since, two then? elections since then. Um, did, was that something you were confident that, that you were going to Ottawa when you signed the papers to um, run for the nomination or what was that journey like? Um, yeah. So I guess the, like I ran, I, again, I wrote, wrote a lot of this stuff down just so that I can refer back to it. So you remember what you got into it for. And so, yeah, that was like, um, at the time, I think when I kind of made the decision, like 360 babies a day were getting killed by abortion uh firearms owners were the most scrutinized people in the country and at the alberta being an albertan um just the the way that the rest of the country seems to poop on alberta all the time though so those are kind of like the three things that got me angry enough to to put my name on the ballot and i guess the you don't necessarily think that you're going to win but i definitely um it wasn't it wasn't something that I thought, oh, this would be kind of fun or something. Like it was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, right? Um, so um, yeah, talk to a lot of different like sitting MPs on like, hey, what is this going to take? Particularly Chris Warkington, who's like the next door MP, who's who who's about ten years older than me, but he got elected at 27, um, and so his similar life speed. And I asked him a million questions on like, what's it going to take? Can I do this? Is this possible with a young family? Um, is it possible as like somebody that brings my worldview to parliament? Is that, is that a doable thing? And, and he assured me that it was. And so um, there wasn't, when I did go into it, I went into it with eyes wide open and, and went in to win. Like that's, that, that is what this is all about. Like, um, the uh like politics is a lot about the ideas but it is also like the biggest at the end of the day it's just the math right um it's about having i always say this to everybody that's aspiring to be a politician i say the the guy with the most votes wins and they're like of course arnold of course yeah well figure out how many votes you need and then go and recruit those people to come out and vote for you and not it's not like some I often get asked about debate strategies and things like that. I'm like, well, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not in the business of debate strategies. I'm in the business of math, um, right? Like the winning the argument is something that I, that I do, but I don't do it through a debate strategy. I do it through math. Like I find out how many votes do we need? And then I go out and find those, that amount of votes. And then we win the, we win the votes. Um, making the argument is somebody else's job some to some degree right um uh an organization ccbr for example makes the argument um and and they are the ones that come up with the debate strategies and the arguments that work and all these kinds of things that's i use that i there's no doubt about that but at the end of the day it's math um the guy with the most votes wins and so we need we need pro-life butts in the seats that make that that count that's exactly and so that was that was yeah a big big motivation for for what I was was up to, and yeah, did I think I was going to win? Um, 
Well, the nomination was nip and tuck. Uh, like that was a, a tight battle. There was initially up to 10 people, I think, put their name forward to to run. And then at the final ballot, there was four of us on the ballot. And it, yeah, it was uh, it was a knife fight the whole way. There's no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, the, the church came out and supported me immensely. Um, that was really important. Uh, yeah, and like again, the the guy with the most votes wins. Uh, you can't emphasize that enough. Like I, I remember my neighbor, next door neighbor, five kids, and they had, four of them had memberships. So a member, a household with six memberships, right? And I was phoning him the day of the vote like you got to come out and vote and he's like arnold it's just not working right now and i'm like well like there is no other now like there's either now or there's never right like like he's like well we got to go grocery shopping today i'm like certainly grocery shopping can happen an, another day right like the uh so i i don't know if he's he'll be listening to this or not but uh i just uh i don't i don't think it, it, it in the moment it it didn't seem for him anyways, it didn't seem like he'd bought the membership. He was all excited six months earlier. Right. And then it's like one day for two hours is the, is the event. And that that's the most important, most important timing of all this. But um, yeah, so that's, uh, but now I look, now I look back and I, people come to me for advice and I say, just don't rely on everybody that you sign up, (laughs) sign up more than sign up much more. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a cushion. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah. And that's, that's the, the math of it is, is, uh, yeah. So going, going into it, I thought the math was, was going to be good and it turned out we were okay. So (laughs) (laughs) you certainly were okay. Arnold, you, um, you talk about one of the reasons you got into politics was the abortion rate. You talked about the importance of getting pro-lifers in the seats uh, in Parliament, which you are one. Can you talk to us a little bit about what we want to talk about today, I guess, which is the Parla- uh, Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus, uh, one of the yeah. caucuses you're on, the one you chair. Perhaps tell us like how you were introduced to it and some of the, perhaps the goals or initiatives of the Pro-Life Caucus. Yeah, so the Pro-Life Caucus got started, oh, long before I was there, maybe maybe when I was as a toddler, it might have got started. Um, but the the real like force and movement came to it when it in 1997, uh, when the now Premier of Alberta, but then Member of Parliament Jason Kenney, um, became a Member of Parliament, and he really built it into an institution. Um, then uh, before I got elected, a guy named Mark Warawa from Langley, BC, he was the chair, and uh, so he I don't know how long he was the chair before me. And then uh, when I got elected, uh, then they, then Mark said he had done it for long enough, and it was we needed some new, new, new blood in there, and I got elected as the the chair of the pro life caucus. So um, the pro life caucus is there um, to basically strategize and push the legislative arm of the pro life movement, um, and so at this point. It's um, we supported most recently Kathy Wagenthal's uh, bill, the uh, gender selective abortion, anti-gender selective abortion bill, um, bill two three three, I do believe it was, um, and and so that's like we we coordinate between the offices to make sure we keep pushing that forward and get the messaging out on our social media and that kind of thing. Um, we work to negotiate with with the party center on like campaign promises and what's going to be in the platform, that kind of thing. Um, and then we work on getting more pro-lifers elected. Um, that's, that's a reality. So at this point we're um, with the vote, the last vote on Kathy Wagenthal's bill, we had 82 um, votes on that particular one. Uh, which from the previous parliament, we had a similar, she had a similar bill on uh, the preborn being recognized in a murder case. So if there was a murder of a mother, um, there would be two victims in that, in that case. Um, so we were up, I think seven, seven votes from that one. So just between the two parliaments, we were able to uh, elect seven more um, pro-life members of parliament. 
that's that's not necessarily a, a um a good necessarily a good estimation of what we've done because uh we had uh well we had 20 more seats in the in the conservative party after the last election we actually had about 42 new members of parliament because a number of them had retired and so um so while we were up uh seven votes in total um but we're still not close to the 172 that we need uh we also have gotten uh, a whole new crop of of new pro-life MPs that uh, that replaced existing pro-life MPs, and so some new fresh blood, some new excitement, um, and yeah, I would say that like th- there is an awareness within uh, pro-life pe- candidates that run that there's a pro-life caucus, and so there's a real. Um, yeah, being the chair th- through an election now, um, I remember when I showed up, I was asking Mark Warwell, when's the first pro-life caucus meeting? And then uh, the new members of parliament after the last election, they were coming to me and saying the same thing. When's the first pro-life caucus meeting? And so um, so there is an awareness of it. And there is, uh, um, yeah, it's a big, there's, that's the reason why many people get involved in politics is because 300 babies die every day in Canada. That is a human rights travesty. And the, probably the, the largest in, in Canadian context anyways, in terms of human rights tragedies. And so we need to, we need to fight that. So yeah, um, at this point, it's just about building the numbers, um, fi- fixing the math. So just- <laughs> Yeah, and and let's dive into that a little bit further, Arnold. I'm I'm interested. So I I know that many of the members um, appreciate some degree of anonymity, and so I won't be asking about any of the names or or writings that they're coming from or whatnot. But I, I I'm sure that I'm not the only one who has this kind of perceived notion of of smoke and mirrors and midnight meetings and whatnot, sneaking around conspiring for pro life caucus. I'm sure that's not actually what the parliamentary pro life caucus is like. But I'm curious. So you mentioned you get into politics and and you're asking about it proactively. And there's a few people in this last election cycle that are seeking to become a part of the Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus. Is that generally how it works? Are you guys actively pursuing other politicians that you want to kind of pull in? Is it something that you wait for people to approach you? Is that a, a fair question to ask? I'm, I'm curious about the the math game if if you guys are looking at okay well maybe I'll I'll approach this member of parliament or maybe I'll I'll talk to a staff member in this camp and and try to build this up or are you are there more people who are coming to you seeking out like I'm interested do you mind if I come and just check on a meeting what is the dynamic like of the parliamentary pro life caucus or are you guys like legit just meeting in smoky taverns at midnight <laughs> um, with 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 hooded um, <laughs> veiled um, they people you don't even know who's coming to your meetings and you're all sticking together, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, for, fortunately, we're no longer allowed to smoke indoors in this country. So the taverns, <laughs> the taverns happen. They're just not smoky anymore. No. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's kind of all of the above. So I'm like the pro-life caucus is just one of many caucuses, right? I'm, I sit on like outdoor, the outdoor caucus, for example, or the hunting and angling caucus. And for the most part, it's people approach. Um, there's usually a, some pressure from the grassroots um, to be to to do something on the pro-life issue, and so one easy way to do something on it is be a member of the pro-life caucus, right? And so while while as a as the chair, I don't divulge whether somebody is or isn't a member of the pro-life caucus. The the individual members likely will say, "Hey, I'm a member of the pro-life caucus." Um, and that checks a box for a bunch of people, and that's good. And the same with a lot of a lot of caucuses. There's the people that drive them, and then there's the people that want their name on the list, right? So that's that's a reality. Um, and and to be fair, I do that with several of these caucuses. I'm on the anti nuclear proliferation caucus. I I'm happy to have my name there, but I, I don't that that's somebody else's like key issue right and that's the same with ours is that there's a a dozen of us that are um really active in the pro-life caucus really drive the bus on it and then you have another couple dozen that that participate in the general meetings and then you have a, a whack of people that just want their name on the list and um, don't participate a great deal but they're a reliable vote when the time comes around and that's 
Um, and that's good enough too, right? They have other things that they're, they're interested in and working on. And so that's, that's a reality. So that's, that's kind of how it works. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we meet on a, on a need to basis. So when there's something to meet on, we, we meet on it. So sometimes that means we don't meet for a little while. And then other times we end up meeting two or three times a week kind of thing. Right. So it totally depends on, uh, on where it is. The, I guess to some degree, one of the interesting dynamics about pro-life caucus is that it's typically people that share the same worldview. And so what a danger that I, that I have with pro-life caucus is that virtually every other issue is easier to talk about than the anti-abortion issue. Um, we have, we've got, and there's, <laughs> there's a thousand issues as a member of parliament there's a thousand issues coming at you and some are easy to talk about some are not so easy to talk about and some are like dangerous to talk about right like you can end up being a, a media phenomenon one way or the other which i've been the subject of a couple of those in my life but uh <laughs> but either way um that's something that i tried to guard fairly jealously with pro-life caucus is that we're were anti-abortion. Um, 300 babies are dying in Canada uh, every day, and that um, that is a travesty that needs to be addressed. And so, but the the challenge with it all the time is is that um, folks would like to uh, often because we're we we come from a similar background and we care about the same things. The the meeting will get hijacked for another issue, right? Like that's. Uh, that's a, a a likely phenomenon and and like um M mps will come to me and say arnold like there's this issue we need to talk about it and i said well how does that have anything to do with uh, 300 babies dying in canada today and they well it doesn't but all of these people care about the same thing i said yeah that's true but like build a caucus around that issue then right like it's uh, um I, i'm trying to guard this time for this issue and if if I don't do that, we end up talking about everything. But because the anti-abortion issue is is entrenched, like the sides know, the battle lines have been drawn, and the sides know where they're at. Um, there isn't there it isn't an, keeping the debate going is is important. But there isn't a like by the time people get to parliament, um, their their votes are kind of baked in so to speak right so that's where we have to work on uh getting more more seats there but but there are things that we can do and the pro-life caucus is an area where we particularly around that um anti-abortion piece um trying to keep the 300 babies in in mind for sure mm -hmm. yeah yeah so when i th you you said one thing arnold that made me think about the conversation we had uh a few days ago um, just in preparation for this podcast about the the stakeholders, you know, you, you said that some of these other politicians, your friends are saying, you know, you know, perhaps um, the euthanasia issues coming up and, and folks are coming to your offices with sort of, a, you know, this is being pressured on me. Is there anything you can do? Um, and even less serious, I mean, perhaps your uh, your gun owners in your your riding are coming to you saying, uh, you know, represent us. And, and you know, there's so many issues and, and a lot of these issues have stakeholders. Um, primary stakeholders that sort of, um, you know, they can come to your office, they can have a conversation with you, they can, you know, do a rally on Parliament Hill, and all those things, they can sign petitions. But that's, that's one area where the pro-life caucus is different, because the, the primary stakeholders are pre-born children who have no voice. Um, does that present challenges for you in sort of recruitment of politicians, getting them on board? Um, like, how does that sort of work? Uh, in terms of challenges uh, as you try to navigate your way forward with other politicians, with the general public, perhaps with the media, uh, whoever it might be, um, as you're trying to, yeah, to fight for these babies with the caucus. Yeah, I, I, and that's, you're probably right on the whole fact that like the primary stakeholders aren't around, right? You're 100% on that. Um, but there are a host of groups across the country that um, battling abortion is is a is their number one thing and and we communicate with them on a regular basis and that's uh that's important um and then probably the other like i said earlier one of the big reasons folks end up joining pro-life caucus is because 
other stakeholder groups have, are asking their members of parliament to, to do something, to get involved kind of thing, right? And that's and that's how how pro-life caucus is is driven um but yeah the um it, it is pro-life caucus is a little bit different than, than some of the other caucuses that i've participated in because the in, in other caucuses some the stakeholders really drive the bus on a lot of the the issues and how we message it and all this kind of stuff and there isn't necessarily unanimity in the pro-life world as to what message we should be driving or how, how we should be going. Like even, even with, uh, Kathy Wagenthal's first, um, Casey Molly's bill, um, the, the pro-life movement wasn't really all that unified behind that particular bill. This, this latest one, the gender selective abortion has, has been better. Um, but yeah, it's, that's a, always a challenge to, to work, work on. Um, they, around euthanasia C7. Um, so I, I, Pro-Life Caucus does include euthanasia, um, and, and that comes up just, uh, and I'm, I, I don't jealously guard against the euthanasia debate in Pro-Life Caucus. I think the euthanasia debate is, belongs within Pro-Life Caucus. Um, but again, it's just easier to, easier to talk about. It's forced upon us. We have to talk about it. Um, but it's also the whole issue is not nearly so entrenched uh, in the political dynamic, right? Like we had liberal members of parliament voting against the current euthanasia law we had we had ndp members that were very like we thought for sure we'd get a couple of them um in the end we didn't but we thought for sure we'd get a couple of ndp members voting voting against the current c7 the current euthanasia law that came before us as well so and i think the c7 while we we weren't able to stop that bill from going forward it was a um Pro-Life Caucus had a, a lot to do with that debate, and we were able to flip the narrative on it in the fact that, that when the Liberals introduced the bill, it was like high fives all around. This is the best thing ever. Um, those conservatives over there, they're Neanderthals for opposing this and all this kind of stuff. And by the time the debate was over, the Liberals couldn't vote on it fast enough. They, they no longer wanted to talk about it. Um, the entire disabilities world in, El or in Canada was outraged with the bill. Um, they just wanted to clear it through the House of Commons. They didn't want to talk about it anymore um, because we had successfully flipped the narrative on it from, from it being this like choice, right? Rights a choice kind of thing. It's the, the, the die with dignity argument um, to like, this is creating two classes of citizens and those that are worthy of living and those that should just be euthanized and particularly the disabilities community and the and then when they added in the if you just had an underlying condition of mental illness um, towards the end that got added in um, then then even their own liberal members were speaking out against the bill so um, while they did pass it it was not not the great um celebration that they had introduced it with that was for sure mm -hmm. i i'd love to pull on that thread there and and peter i know that we're going to dive into some of the trajectory of the caucus in in the coming months and years and whatnot i'd love to dive into um a few of the the current issues that have started cropping up i i know that a lot of people who aren't actively involved in politics have have had a very bleak outlook on canadian politics on on the pro-life issue and whatnot but i I think these last 10 years in, in particular, I mean, I haven't been aware of politics for long before that, but over the last 10 years, we've had a number of different pro-life topics come to the floor of Parliament. We've we've talked about Kathy Wagenthal's bill that was just discussed. We've talked about um, Cassie and Molly's bill. We've talked about Bill C-7. We've got um, even Stephen Woodworth's bill from back in 20, 2012 kind of thing on, on that. I'd love to hear about your take specifically with regards to Kathy Wagenthal's bill. As our listeners hopefully are aware, we had Kathy Wagenthal on to talk about um, her bill to protect preborn babies, uh, baby girls from being killed through gender selective abortion. Um, I'd love to, to hear your take on and, and the take of the Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus on the whole narrative along that. Was that viewed within the PPC as a success? Was that viewed with trepidation? Was there back and forth? Was this something that is an encouraging step forward? Is that a really discouraging step backwards? What was, what was the feel 
within the PPC with regards to this most recent bill put forward by my member of parliament, Kathy Wagenthal? Yeah, so I was it was met with um, excitement and encouragement. Um, we had, yeah, it was the, um, Kathy has been a stalwart um, participant and, and to push, like this is her second bill, um, to get to get the opportunity to do that twice is is miraculous in and of itself. To have the opportunity to bring for two private members' bills, um, many members of parliament will spend ten years in parliament and never have the opportunity to bring forward a private members' bill, and yet here she was. She has the opportunity to do two, and then does both of them around uh, preborn human rights, um, which has been yeah, it's been amazing. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, while it's a little frustrating because we knew fairly quickly that we were just not going to have the votes for it, um, it was it does draw a line in the sand and it and it, uh, it gives us a gives us a benchmark to know where we're at and where we're starting from. Um, and so yeah, we have eighty two. We need a hundred. We basically need a hundred more more seats um, before we're going to be passing something like that. But um, yeah, and and it it really hit the progressives where where it hurt a little bit, right? Like we have Pam Damhoff um, spouting off about the firearms crimes in Canada and how this this is causing femicide, right? And it's like, well, this is like hugely ironic, Pam, that you're all concerned about femicide and yet you just had the opportunity like a month ago to vote on a femicide bill uh, and you voted against it, right? That's, um, yeah, it, it just, it, it is good politics in that respect. Um, and and I'm happy to see, see that Kathy pushed it forward. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, I guess one of the there there maybe there's a, a bit of disappointment on on my part. I wouldn't know if the pro life caucus in general, but just around how the media just ignored it. I don't know if you noticed that as well, but it was just like try as we might to cause a little controversy with this bill to to raise it, run it up the flagpole. Um, it was just virtually ignored. That was uh, like it was a, it was an argument that they could not argue against, and so they just ignored it. And while so while in Parliament during the speeches it was vitriolic, um, the in general beyond that, um, other than our own like personal Facebook pages and things like that that we pushed it out over, um, there was just like it was tough to get traction with the. It, with it in the media, whereas, um, like during the election, uh, the media didn't seem to want to talk about anything but abortion. Um, when we actually had the bill that they accused us all of uh, bringing, like secretly bringing forward, uh, when we actually brought the secretly secretly defined bill um, forward, then they didn't want to talk about it because it wasn't anything that they could argue against, essentially. So, yeah. So they, yeah, and that was, yeah. That was probably the the disappointment that we had was just like for as much for as much flack as we get as pro-lifers for causing media storms uh, this one definitely didn't cause a media storm of any sort yeah yeah classic mainstream media i mean i hate to say classic mainstream media but but classic mainstream media i wonder so i, I really want to segue into um just a little bit of, you know, disunity, I guess, uh, amongst the conservatives across the country for various and sundry reasons. Before I do that, though, I just want to touch on on the, the media thing. Um, as 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 a pro-life layperson, there's many of us around across the country, social conservatives. Perhaps you have a message for the social conservatives when when the pro-lifers, when the mainstream media is not talking about the issues that we want them to talk about, when they're completely ignoring us, when we see some sort of victory on the horizon or have good arguments or anything like that. Could you briefly talk to like, what do I do? Like, what do you expect from me? Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you, so, so here's, here's one thing that we've talked about in the past. A, a lot of times Christians expect their politicians to, to love their neighbors for them. And so the fact that you're doing the pro-life caucus is fascinating, you know, <laughs> phenomenal to me, to me, I'll share your Facebook posts and I'll, uh, you know, I'll give you a few likes here and there. And I'm doing my duty to help you love my neighbor as well. Um, but the reality is God doesn't call just you to love my neighbor in the political sphere. He calls me to do that as well in the, in the ways that I can. And so how can I, as a regular person, and we have, we have listeners across the country sort of help out with that sort of campaign. We see bill C-233, sex selective abortion, um, you know, a bill to ban sex selective abortions. 
what do I do? Do I share your Facebook post? Do I call, you know, Global News or the the National Post (laughs) or CBC or what do I do? What do I do, uh, Arnold? Well, Peter, I <laughs> the people ask me this all the time, and we're all we're all in search for that like silver bullet the, on this. The silver on bullet, this yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's elusive so far. Um, but one like the you've probably heard me say it several times already. But the 300 babies that die every day in Canada because of abortion. If we can just start saying that, right? Like, did you know 300 babies die every day because of abortion? Um, that that in and of itself will will start to change hearts and minds. The, the other thing is is that uh, I get a lot of people that get the passion, get the fire, they want to do something about abortion and they immediately think, "Oh, I got to run for politics." Right? And some some of these people I, that, that I know fairly well, I'm like, "You hate politics. There's nothing like why do you want to do this? This is not what you like at all." Like um so I always say like fight abortion where you're at. Like do do politics where you are. Um typically uh, if you're like, was we get inundated on the other side, right? Like, like every industry group, like, so where, where do you work? I bet you there's an industry group that re, um, represents you in Ottawa, right? So there's like the, the aviation, the small aviation committee, right? So are you into airplanes? You run, you have your own little airplane, join the small aviation lobby group because the 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 other side has right like they show up and they're like this is a briefing on on covid or something that they're doing like how is aviation and they'll put in that messaging around um like they'll they'll talk about how they're flying people out of these remote communities to get abortions right like they put that in there right that kind of thing so like wherever you're at start putting your pro life messaging in it whatever it is right like you're working like and and yeah you use every facet of your your life to do that so um that's the uh that's probably in a nutshell but then if you want to be political about it um don't just think about the federal government um because every level of government pushes it to the federal level so it's like um all the minis- all the MLAs are like abortion oh that's a federal issue right well true like the criminal code is what we deal with right but provincially it's healthcare is 100% provincial jurisdiction and the so like the paying for all of the abortions doesn't happen by the federal government the paying of them all happens at the at the uh, provincial level but then you have your municipalities as well so i've heard this great story of uh, across the united states now individual counties are banning abortion right and I, yeah, and I've been advocating for this for years is like, um, have a sanctuary city for the preborn where you live and get the local fire department to have a baby drop box on the outside because most of the fire departments are staffed 24 hours a day. So put the drop box there. Your municipality is already paying to have people there 24 hours. The baby drop box isn't going to be, and then have your pro-life community ready to whichever baby shows up there to be able to take care of them kind of thing. Right. Um, and and start to use your municipal tax dollars um, to to fund the things that you care about, uh, not just the things that the left cares about all the time. So that's those are those are some of the things. I I'm a political guy. I, I work in that area, and so um, those are the ways I think about it. Uh, but yeah, um, all of the fight it fight it from where you're at, right? Um, yeah, if you want to if you want to get something organized, bring in bring in a speaker to your local church or, or organize a local rally or do the flag display thing. The ARPA guys, they do those flag displays. That's, that's a really cool thing as well. Um, yeah, there's lots, lots to be done there. Yeah. <laughs> it's abortions a federal issue. Never mind the bubble zone stuff that's going on at the provincial level or, or at the municipal level. I think you guys probably know about like Calgary's banning your, your mailers or whatever it is right or your street activism right like it's it's everywhere and you can get involved within five blocks where you live i'm guaranteeing you yeah and and i'm so glad that you mentioned that arnold and and peter i know that you're going to jump back into the aaron o'toole question i think that's a really really good spot to go one thing that I'll, i'll mention for our audience as well is don't have higher expectations for your audience than you have for yourself. Because how often do you read the political opinions of people you don't agree with on their Facebook post? 
right? Like how often do you read the political opinions of people that you do agree with in their <laughs> Facebook posting? And so if you're trying to change people's minds, a Facebook post probably isn't going to cut it because it probably wouldn't cut it for you. Yeah. Right? Like you're probably not going to have a, a radical revelation um, reading somebody's Facebook wall. And so why are you going to expect all of your neighbors to have radical revelations when they read your Facebook wall? Peter, you and I have talked ad nauseum about the value of having conversations, like you mentioned, um, Arnold, like actually getting involved, actually getting out and engaging people, engaging politicians, engaging your neighbors in, hey, did you know, like, have you heard about Kathy Wagenthal's bill and how it didn't even pass and we're allowed to kill babies and 300 babies are being killed every day? Hopefully, Peter, you and I are, are conveying a lot of apologetics that you can use at your dinner table, barbecues with your neighbors, whatever it looks like. But like at the end of the day, I just feel like we have such high expectations for our neighbors and our Facebook friends. And we're not even um, that, that kind of Facebook consumer. And so have realistic expectations for what do you think your action will actually achieve? And, and don't be too critical upon yourself because you don't know how the Lord's going to use your activity. It's not saying don't post stuff on Facebook, but Maybe, maybe let's not be overambitious with our Facebook posting. It is all, all I'd say. I, I don't know if you'd agree with that, Arnold, but um, definitely being a little bit more direct in our action than just um, posting a, a Facebook post that is probably in something of an echo chamber already. Yeah, that's that's likely. I, uh, I, but I, come on. I, I hope that my Facebook posts change hearts and minds every day. Come on. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. And, and that, that's a valuable expectation. But if in 2013 you had said, you know what? I don't need to run for, for office. Yeah. I just need to be active on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> All I need to do is like mix in a, a political um, sta uh, status every time I send out a, a Farmville request or whatever. Like yeah. you probably wouldn't be making anywhere near the difference that you're making right now. So, so praise God for the work that you're doing in the house and and peter let's dive into some of the the where where pro-lifers should be looking with regards to the current um context and and whatnot of the conservative party of canada i suppose yeah for sure so arnold it, i think if you look at the sort of conservative political landscape it seems like there's been a growth in disappointment over or in the conservative party some of it could be covid related it related um, but in, in terms of the, the pro-life issue, particularly Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the Conservative Party, voted against Kathy Wagenthal's bill, uh, C-233, the sex selective abortion bill. And it seems like the trajectory of the Conservative Party is not going in the, you know, kind of the, the place we want it to go, um, but is heading further and further from our values and, and from our worldviews, the worldviews that we espouse as social conservatives and Christians and pro-lifers. And so there, I mean, there's lots of conversation about, do we support the Conservative Party? Uh, if not, who do we support? Do we just not vote? You know, sort of these political conversations in response to some of the disappointments we see in the Conservative Party. Um, so I, I just wonder if you could talk about this. Like, we're encouraged about the work that you're doing. Um, you're a Conservative member, obviously. You're in the pro-life, uh, the, the Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus. We're encouraged by by your work, the work that other pro-lifers are doing in Parliament, even though we don't know their names. Um, but, uh, you know, there's this sort of like disappointment in, in, in conservative politics. So, so is, is there a, a place in conservative politics to make waves on the pro-life issue? Can we get su successes on the pro-life issues? Um, or perhaps, you know, why is it important, I guess, to stick with the conservative party is, is what I'm trying to ask. Um, just in light of some of the disappointments that we've seen. Yeah, so I would I would just say that like the Conservative Party is is made up of the members of the party. Um, the leader is chosen by the members, but that that isn't necessarily reflective of the membership. So, for example, Leslie Lewis got the most votes out of everybody. She got the most votes, solidly pro life lady, um, and and so she the party is probably more represented in her than it is in in Aaron. However, Aaron won. Aaron won due to the, he got the most points, right? It's the math of the situation. Again, it always comes back to the math. And, and that's, that's the, um, that's the reality. And, and we see that again, with more than half of the caucus, um, right? We have currently 120 uh, members of parliament as conservative members of parliament, and 82 of them voted for uh, Kathy Wagenthal's bill. So more than half of us are pro, pro-life. Um, so it is about 
taking those spots, making sure that we get pro-life members in those seats. Um, the the leader is it's responsible for the leader is responsible for convincing his caucus to go in a particular direction or not. And if it's, if they're not willing to go in that direction, the party doesn't go in that direction. If our membership's not going in that direction, we won't go in that direction. And that's a, that's a, 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 re, a reality that, it, that exists. Um, yeah. To, to there, some of this is just like the pendulum swing a little bit as well. Right. We had uh, Andrew Shear, pro-life leader, um, and when we didn't make government after the last election, uh, then there was a lot of voices in the media and elsewhere that, and within our own party that said, well, it was because he was pro-life that we, we never won, never won the election. Um, and so there was this like massive movement, um, within the party, uh, not necessarily the majority of the membership, but there was a, a group that said, oh, we gotta, we gotta do something differently. Right. Um, and that might have been driven by some of the people who then ran for leadership, right? And so, and so now the the pendulum has kind of swung the other way. We're going to try a adamantly pro-choice leader, um, and and if he wins the election, then it will be because he wasn't um, pro-life, right? Um, if he loses the election, it probably won't because he was pro-choice. But nonetheless, that's the uh, that'll be our, the argument that we'll have to make at that point. Right. So it's, it'll be, um, this is kind of the time we have to, like, this is the pendulum swing the other way. Um, and we'll have to hang on for the pendulum to come and swing back again. That's the, that's the reality of it. But again, it goes back to that math piece, right? It's the, it, the math matters. And um, whether that's in our own party or whether it's in, uh, in the, the general election, um, we've got to get pro-life bums in those parliamentary seats. And so that's what I would suggest is that like, you're not, most of you, unless you live in Durham, um, in Durham, Ontario, you're not going to be voting for Aaron O'Toole. You'll be voting for the guy on your ballot. Um, and that's in Northern Alberta, where I live, that's me. Um, support your pro-life members of parliament. We've got a list now of um MPs who voted the right way on Kathy Wagenthal's bill. So look up that list. And if you live in a riding that's not held by a conservative, um, vote for vote for the the pro life candidate that you have on your ballot, uh, or work hard to make sure that your your candidate who's likely to win is pro life. Right? Like work on it, regardless of the party. Right? Like that's um, it's about getting that the getting that pro life bum in that parliamentary seat. Um, if they're from the Liberal Party and they're going to vote pro-life, um, well, I, I'd happily take a Liberal vote uh, on a pro-life bill. As a like our, our caucus, the pro-life caucus is a is an all-party caucus. Um, however, the Liberals currently have a like moratorium on pro-life members, so or pro-life uh, candidates. So that that's not going to be a problem. In the last election, we actually had I think it was six Green Party candidates who were pro-life um now two of them i think got disqualified um but it was interesting like the green party didn't spend a lot of time vetting to see whether you were pro-life or not um and so they ended up with a number of pro-life and uh candidates which then became a controversy during the election uh, of which then the green party ousted two of them and then the other ones did these like oh we didn't know kind of statements but for the, the um, they did have a number of um, uh, so the like if if the Green Party is likely to win in your area, um, consider like nominating pro-lifers, right? Like no, nominate pro-lifers for places they likely to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I, I'm sure that um, she won't appreciate me staying, saying this, but I, I remember when Elizabeth May was running, I, I think for the first time, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't actually know if she's still the leader of the Green Party, but yeah. at the time she was the leader of the Green Party yeah. and she came to the University of Victoria and talked about her pro-life convictions yeah. and how she was pro-life and she got hammered obviously by the yeah. university of victoria student society and whatnot um i've i'm sure that she's not the the pro-life stalwart that um, we had somewhat hoped that she would be out in in hippie victoria here um but i 
It, I, I'll touch briefly on a, a, um, it. will certainly be interesting where the, the stinking albatross ends up laying um, <laughs> in this next um, election. And for, for those that didn't follow the conservative leadership, um, that was something that a very pro-abortion um, hopeful leader had said, um, s- suggesting that the pro-life candidates would um, get no love, no attraction, no vote because of their public pro-life stance. Obviously, he ended up in four um, in in losing um, significantly towards a, a very good um, pro-life um, person in Leslie Lewis. Um, one last question that I'll ask you, Peter. I'm sure that you've got at least one more after this. I I'm curious about. Um, what you would say, so Peter, you probably ask a little bit about the mobilization of the populace and how we get more more politicians elected. I'd be curious, there's been times when I've met with pro-life politicians, certainly at, at CSPR, we have lots of people that reach out to us and, and tell us like, hey, I'm thinking of running. Like, do you think you, all of your postcarding teams can, can deliver our, our literature? Because you guys are so good at delivering postcards to every door and all this kind of thing. And at times we'll say like, I don't know how strong of a, a public figure they'll be on the pro-life issue because they don't have a lot of um, background in the pro-life issue. They, they've got raw passion, but they don't have a whole lot of competence possibly. I'm curious what kind of support and leadership the, the PPC um, Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus offers to people who say like, I, I am pro-life. I want to do a good job of being publicly pro-life and advocating for pre-born children. Um, but I don't know how, I don't know how to talk to the media without getting hammered. I don't know how to talk to my constituents about this. What, what goes on for somebody who wants to be actively pro-life and, and maybe is a little bit cringy in their initial take? Do you guys do a little bit of polishing? Do you guys do a little bit of training? What does that look like? Yeah, you bet. That's, uh, that's always a, um, a challenge for uh, somebody that comes from, like I was an auto mechanic before I got elected and then there you are uh, sitting in parliament and then writing letters and communicating with hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, so yeah, there, that is something that we've definitely worked on, um, in lining up the communications training, um, for any members of the pro-life caucus that are interested or want it. Um, and we've, we've offered it as a, um, as something that they're able to like proactively offered it, so to speak. Right. So that's, um, yeah. And that's been helpful. And then often we get like, um, when, when there is, even even members who aren't pro-life, um, but who are having constituents reach out to them on particular issues, um, they'll, they'll reach out to to me or Kathy and say, "Hey, like, how how do I communicate this back? Um, I'm not pro-life, but these pro-lifers are communicating with me, and I want them to support me. Like, the that how do I do this? So that's um, that is something that we help with as well. The, the other thing I guess I would just point out is that. Um, typically being pro-life as a conservative anyways, um, it leads to uh, the Scott Hayward from the organization right now. He's done all the math on it. And the being pro-life conservative uh, adds about 1,200, on average, 1,200 votes to your vote total um, versus not being pro-life conservative. So that's, so there's uh, just in and of itself that there's a there's a bunch of more votes to be had by being pro-life on the conservative side. So we've, we, we make that pitch as well um, to like, Hey, you know what, like identifying as pro-life as a conservative increases your vote total a bunch. Right. So that's um, that, yeah, that's a, that's a reality. And that's something that we, we try to communicate to our members as well. Nice. Arnold, as we wrap up, I wonder uh, if you can speak a little bit to where you see the caucus going, what's the future? Do you have projects coming up? I don't know if this is like public knowledge or if you want to talk about some of the the things you're working on. But is there anything that that we can expect from the pro-life caucus as you continue to navigate your way forward and uh, yeah, and continue working? Yeah, so we like um, platform development, developing ideas for the platform that that continues to be and negotiate those into the platform is is something that we continue to work on. Um, yeah, some of it is just issues driven. Um, so, for example, you may remember a few years back, um, there was a Canada summer jobs scandal where um, basically they were work the, 
the government was they had an attestation you had to f- check a bunch of boxes and one of them was about whether you were going to be participating in pro-life activism or pro-life work uh, or if you held to these beliefs um, so many churches were just being self-isolated out of the out of the program um, and that was that whole scandal was brought to light by um, members of the pro-life caucus that was something that we worked fairly hard on and that became a big national issue um, because of the work that we did and so the, it's things like that that we we don't necessarily can't necessarily anticipate it but it's it's stuff that we that the government does something and we respond to um, other than that yeah it's about like recruiting candidates to run for um, for our for our party um, it's recruiting uh, staffers trying to get pro-life staff to come work on Parliament Hill. Uh, that's also important. Uh, it's just for example, um, and that's something I hope many of your um, listeners might consider: is come work on Parliament Hill or go work in the legislature. Um, there are there are often very like pro-life members of the legislature or parliament, but then their staff aren't pro-life, and so then they end up. Um, yeah, I, I have that with some of the members of the pro-life caucuses. You send you send the in meeting invite to them or or uh, action item to them, and their their particular staff isn't pro-life or it's not the issue that they're very concerned about. And then it just kind of gets. It's not like they're they don't they're not opposed to what you're doing. It's just not on their radar, and so that that it, they just oh into the wastebasket with that email, right? Like we don't. We're not going to deal with that. It's not part of our core. And then the MP shows up on Monday and is like, hey, um, I heard there was this meeting. Why wasn't I invited? And we're like, you were invited. <laughs> like, you were, right? So that's that's where like the staffing is is hugely important. And um, so yeah, I encourage folks to to come come work on Parliament Hill. Um, but yeah, the uh, the recruitment of of more candidates and and get more pe- pro life people to think about running um, is is a uh, something that we spend quite a bit of time on actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. The staffers are are incredibly important. Peter, you and I both know a ton of really really wonderful people that have either in the past worked as staff on the Hill or are currently working as staff on the Hill. Um, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of that. Can't speak highly enough of the people that I know who are currently working on the Hill. Um, Peter, I know that you're going to wrap it up right here. One thing, obviously, for listeners that we've been really trying to build up, we're trying to offer more and more content towards our Patreon supporters. And one thing that we want to do for that, we're going to ask Arnold a couple of questions after we wrap up here that'll be exclusive to Patreon supporters. More funny anecdotes of his time leading the Parliamentary Pro-Life Caucus, if there's been anyone who's randomly stumbled into one of his meetings by accident or anything like that. So if you want to hear any funny stories, not, not educational components, not action items kind of thing, but just kind of funny anecdotes, definitely consider signing up as a patreon supporter but peter i'll let you bring it home and then um arnold we'll we'll dive into one or two more questions if that's okay with you for sure beauty all right arnold well thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on the podcast today no problem at all peter thanks so much that was arnold veerson a conservative member of canada's parliament to talk about some of the pro-life work he is doing on parliament hill some of the work he's doing as a pro-life politician in the parliamentary pro-life caucus Thank you so much for tuning in. I guess one of the big takeaways from this conversation today is the importance of getting involved, having those conversations. Cam said we don't want to talk about this ad nauseum, but we certainly do want to talk about the importance of not just online engagement, which can be extremely important, but also having those conversations, supporting our politicians, getting involved in the political process, getting involved in talking to our neighbors about some of the issues that matter to us. And being equipped to have those conversations, to have those really good conversations. So we want to encourage you to do that uh, and, and also make sure to support your pro-life politician. Get to know them, talk to them, encourage them in their pro-life convictions. And if there's no pro-life politician in your area, no pro-life politician running uh, for the next election, do what you can, maybe with, with people around you, uh, to elect someone like that. That's what Arnold did as he as he went around and tried to recruit everyone else before he himself was recruited to be a politician and has been a member of parliament for six years now. That could be you, that could be someone else. We need more people getting involved so that more pro-life leaders get involved as well. As we wrap this up, as I wrap this up, I just wanna highlight our Patreon page. You can become a patron 
Uh, we hope to do that a little bit more often, which is ask one or two, maybe three questions of our guests, just, you know, some perks, some highlights, um, just some fun questions that we can, we can uh, talk, br bring to them. Uh, and that'll be patron only content. You also have an opportunity to receive some merch. And uh, the biggest thing I think is being part of this podcast, being part of a movement in getting people equipped with the truth about abortion, um, the, getting people equipped to have good conversations about abortion and just be knowledgeable about the abortion war. We want to share with you the apologetics that we uh, have become familiar with that we've used many times so that you can have those good conversations as well. So patreon.com slash pro-life guys, patreon.com slash pro-life guys. My name is Peter. I am the host of the show. If you want to reach out to us, we love to hear from you. You can uh, email us through our contact information on our website, prolifeguys.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell on YouTube and subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher as well. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever else you do your social media to keep up with us, keep up with what's going on, and to stay updated and, and in tune um, with the new posts that we have coming out, the new episodes that come out. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are humbled by your support, and we look forward to our next, next episodes. We hope you tune in again next time. God bless you all.